we're trying to do is help firms to streamline that process so that we can allow firms to create unique experience at scale. So think of it as personalization at scale, not just enough for kind of large firms, but leveling the playing field to smaller firms that RIAs and BDs combined to be able to create that unicorn experience, paint the picture, if you will, of their user experience themselves at a much more manageable cost. Oleg Tushkevich saw a problem. After running his first company, financial planning vendor FinanceLogix, for 16 years, he realized his programmers were spending 25% of their time just integrating with other platforms. He knew there was a better way. And after selling his firm to an investnet in 2015, he started building a second company to solve this issue. I spoke to Oleg about his new startup, Invent.us, and how they're revolutionizing the way wealth management firms develop software. Highlights from his interview, as well as six other industry leaders, are in this episode, recorded at the T3 Advisor Conference. I'm glad you could all make it here to this episode of the WM Today podcast. I'm your host, Craig Eskowitz, and I run a consulting firm called Ezra Group. We help wealth managers, asset managers, and wealth tech vendors make better business and technology decisions. And we have another exciting episode for you that was recorded live at the T3 Advisor Conference in San Diego, California. Palm trees and ocean breezes right outside the Marriott Marquis Hotel, where over 800 people were consuming wealth management technology information for breakfast, lunch, and dinner or at least that's the way it seemed. During that time, we recorded 24 interviews, and we just couldn't squeeze them all into just one episode. So we made three. This is number two. In case you missed the first one, it was episode number 40, and you can go back and listen to it anytime. But on this episode, the second of three, we have a terrific lineup of industry insiders who are sharing their thoughts and trends on the latest in wealth management tech. You will hear in order, Trisha Haskins from Fidelity, Matt Radkowski from Morningstar, Rob Baldwin from Trade PMR, Charles Ryling from Coastal Equities, Craig Sintron from TD Ameritrade, Kartik Srinivasan from Charles Schwab, and last but certainly not least, Oleg Tishkovich from Invent.us. Now remember to give us a like and a five-star review on iTunes if you're enjoying the content that we're bringing to you. And now on to those T3 highlights. First up on the program is Tricia Haskins, Vice President, Digital Strategy and Platform Consulting, Fidelity Institutional. She's going to talk a bit about the advice stack for advisors, some trends that she's seeing in the market, as well as the integration exchange that Fidelity is launching. So the advice value stack is the way that we look at how advisors interact with and provide value to their end clients, right? So... There are four components to the advice value stack, and it basically looks like a pyramid. So at the base, at the foundation of that advice value stack is managing the money. And this is what advisors have historically been focused on, solely focused on. But what we're seeing is that as customers' needs are changing, and the changing consumer is something we should talk about, is that advisors need to move up to planning, right? So how can advisors help their clients achieve their goals. So this is around, you know, can I retire? Uh, Can I send my kids to school? And so on and so forth. The next level of the advice value stack is helping people be free from worry. So answering the question, 
you know, if I lose my job, will I be okay? If some, one of my parents gets sick, will I be okay? Right. So how can I be free from worry? And then at the top of that value stack is how can you help your clients achieve fulfillment? And what this means is what is the most important to these clients? And how can you as advisor help them, for example, to leave a legacy or to achieve their life stream? And there's something really special about that that requires both the foundation of you know, managing the money well, planning goals, but also it requires a depth of relationship between the advisor and the sure. investor. And obviously, you know, high EQ and all that good stuff. So, I mean, the first one, there's a lot of socioeconomic tremors going on, and we all know this. You know, the nature of work is changing. There's almost 60 million soloists in the U.S., and these aren't the typical, necessarily sort of that typical, what we think of the right. gig uh, do you, see, do you think of that as a bad thing or just a train, just a change from... It's a change. Work? It's neither good nor bad. It's simply a trend. Um, and then there's obviously the impact of people living longer. And what does that mean for the advisor and their relationship with the client? And speaking of the relationship with the client, the trend of the changing customer, right? 60, over 60% of the people, and I know you're one of these, mm -hmm. um, feel like they don't have enough time to do the things that they want exactly. to do, mm -hmm. right? That's important. How can we, or how can advisors, leveraging technology, mm -hmm. give people back the time that they need to be able to do the things they want? an example of how they can do that. I do. How can you help take away some of the burden of things like sharing information, uh, onboarding, mm -hmm. signing documents? I mean, that's sort of at the most you know, right. fundamental level. But there's a lot of key things that advisors can do to help do that mm -hmm. and making life easier for folks. Integration Exchange is a, what we call a digital store where you can go and understand from Fidelity both what are all the various third parties that Fidelity integrates with, over 175 out there, um, and the depth to which we integrate, whether it's you know data feed, single sign-on, onboarding, and so on and so forth. The point being is that we've developed Integration Exchange to enable firms and advisors to create their experience tailored to their end customer. And we're really excited that they now have the ability to do self-service as well. So as they're doing the development, what once took a number of days to test out to see if the code was working, they can do right away using the testing functionality and integration exchange. So going back to the people not having time to do the right. things that they want, this is one of the ways that we're allowing that. Going into integration exchange, you have all the list of the APIs, you have all everything you can frame in, you can link to all the documentation there, there's sample code in there, and then the ability to test, we're really excited about because this is gonna enable firms uh, to create a tailored experience, which is what all this is about. Mm -hmm. So again, moving up the value stack and better serving your end clients, doing the things that you as an advisor or a firm need to focus on and then allowing the technology to do the rest, giving yourself back time, giving your clients back time, because now they're interacting with you in a more seamless manner. It's really exciting. Next up is Matthew Radgowski, head of advisor solutions from Morningstar. And I asked him about some of the research that his firm is doing on ESG investments and how they can make them more available to investors. We've begun to do some research, did a study last year in 2019, 
whereby 72% of investors said they have a medium to high preference for ESG factors to be considered in 72%. portfolios. 72%. 72%. That's a, right? a high number. Yeah, 46% actually said medium high to high. So mm -hmm. a good concentration of investors okay. that want this. And so I think we need to start thinking about it uh, not as, a, again, a highly bespoke portfolio construction method, which it is, mm -hmm. but move it forward to a preference. And so we're something everybody can access. Something everybody can access. Phone or an ETF. You got it. And what does that require, though? That requires data, right? Mm -hmm. So information about ESG. And we have a partnership with Sustainalytics, and we've begun to gather information, data, and research. But then you need the tools to deliver it. Mm -hmm. So through Advisor Workstation, Morningstar Direct, creating access to both individual investments, ESG mm -hmm. characteristics, as well as portfolio analysis to say when the portfolio right. is complete. What does it look like from an ESG point of view? How do you get the data into the system so you can run criteria, run screens, and find the exact solution for your clients? That's right. And we're also, though, beginning to do work, and we have a, a prototype out there around a ESG preference tool. So much mm. like a, the old risk profiling uh, questionnaires, you can actually ask. So it's an ESG profiling, socially conscious profiling. That's exactly right. So using some of our behavioral finance techniques, as well as you're just gathering information about the investor's views towards it, we're able for the investor and the advisor to have a conversation much like they would about other preferences like goals and risk sure. tolerance and say, how do you want ESG expressed in your portfolio? Mm -hmm. And so then again, we're, we're, we're using that as a baseline. And then also on the on the back end, engaging with model providers. So mm -hmm. obviously models are you know, certainly a topic du jour. How mm -hmm. can we actually bring those that model information, fund information into our right. tools truly to create that accessibility for all investors. I then asked Matt about the model marketplace that they announced at the previous Morningstar Investor Conference last year, and some of the things we're going to see from Morningstar in the future around advisor models. I would actually describe the current situation in the model space as a bit chaotic, right? I think you have many asset managers that have flooded the space. Right? They're spending considerable amounts of money resourcing from portfolio consultants to help advisors build portfolios to marketing efforts, you know, digitally enabled uh, to getting out there and retooling their distribution teams to focus on these models. Now you have home offices, right, that have asset allocation views in many cases mm -hmm. or just advisors that have asset allocation views. And so, again, there's a lot of people active in this space and so a lot of chaos. And so what we're trying to do is, quite frankly, try and help bring some order to it, right? So we're changing up. Uh, where you're going to see some uh, updates to our data gathering and collection techniques in March and April that will start to both separate models as a mm -hmm. category of investments within our within our data, right. as well as gather attributes about those investments around objective, for instance, income right, versus mm -hmm. capital preservation versus capital appreciation. So these new attributes? New attributes, right? Attributes of those models so we can begin then to surface those in the tools. Right. So what's the whole idea behind Morningstar's Gold Bridge financial planning tool? How is it going to fit in with the rest of the infrastructure and where do they see it going in the future? So the whole idea of Gold Bridge is to create tighter alignment to the outcome, the goal that's gathered, prioritized, and described by the investor with that investment portfolio. Mm -hmm. And as part of that, we made a baseline assumption that in many instances, it would in fact be a model right, that's mm -hmm. going to be actually utilized to implement. And so I would say in terms of its use, right, there's many great tools out there that provide very sophisticated, deep dive, tax, estate, 
Sure. Comprehensive financial planning. A lot of them are here today. A lot of them are here today. Wonderful tools. We look at ourselves, our CEOs ourselves, riding alongside that, right? Mm -hmm. So a plan that's very focused on the goals, very straightforward, quick to you know, gather data, get mm -hmm. to plan, right? So I'd say a bit, you know, on the sophistication scale, maybe a bit uh, you know, lower down that scale, mm -hmm. but again, meets the needs of a, a large population of both advisors right. and investors. My next guest is CEO of Trade PMR, Rob Baldwin. I asked Rob to share some of the challenges he sees facing our industry today. Wow. Well, this is the year of transitions for thousands of advisors, which is crazy. We've never seen this ever happen before in the entire RIA timeframe that has been around for about 25 years now. So to see what's about to occur is reminiscent really of what has happened in some of the cases in the past, such as, you know, Trey PMR, my, my firm was founded out of a bad merger. And when uh, TD Waterhouse bought Jack White back in the day, it became a catastrophic situation for me as an advisor. And when some of my data didn't transfer, some of my assets didn't transfer properly, the cleanup process, the due diligence, you know, that I needed to do to make sure all my clients were made whole after the fact were things I wasn't prepared for. So I started Trade PMR so that that would never happen to me again, nor happen to any advisor that ever did business with, with Trade PMR. So that's been really our motto for the last 22 years of being in business. And Rob is not shy with his opinion, especially about other custodians. I asked him what he thought of the Schwab TD merger and how it's going to impact advisors. So we're now with the Schwab TD, with another 7,000 advisors having to go through a transition of any sort, it's going to be a real challenge. When I merged and there were 500 advisors at Jack White, it was tough to compete with the other 500 advisors for attention after I had issues. I can't imagine what it's going to be like with 7,000 advisors fighting for the same attention, not sure. just with possible custodial issues, but with software issues. And that's something that still has not been discussed. Every single advisor needs to be aware that they need to do due diligence with their software providers because both small software providers and large software providers are going to have issues they have to address. Mm -hmm. This was never in their budgets to have to reconfigure their systems to adopt to a new custodial platform for mm -hmm. thousands of their current customers. Many of these firms that were smaller, they put their entire budget, effort, and time for a year mm -hmm. to build their software integrations to TDs. Right. And now they have to figure out how to take those clients that they've signed up in the last couple of years mm -hmm. and transition them to a new platform right. with a whole new integration. So if you're an advisor, you need to make sure if you have a small provider, mm -hmm. are they properly funded? I was pretty sure that Schwab said that TD clients would not have to repaper accounts when they moved over to Schwab custody. But I posed that question to Rob to get his opinion. Well, I think Schwab said they won't have to repaper. Is that possible? In my mind, no. I think they're referring to repapering as in new account documents. Mm -hmm. But I don't suspect that Schwab will continue to use TD Bank in any way, sort, mm -hmm. or the TD, TD Beneficiaries uh, platform. I think they're going to have to transition the IRA beneficiaries, mm -hmm. as well as uh, some of the ACH documents and so forth, to Schwab eventually. They may not do it initially. They may carry both sides for a while, but mm -hmm. I have a feeling they're going to end up having to do consolidation. Because in every merger, you've got to consolidate in order to you know, make the benefit worth the, the merger. And I know that a lot of tech vendors already support both Schwab and TD Ameritrade as custodians. So I asked Rob, why would there be so much work from these vendors if they already support both custodians 
if clients are switching from one to the other? Why is there so much work involved? Yes, but just because you've had a, a, a big software provider who has integrations with each one, mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that the transition from one platform to another is gonna be smooth. Every custodian has different back offices and they have different APIs and different connections. You just don't switch from A to B quickly and efficiently to make sure that the data imports are exactly the same. That's a, it's a challenge. Mm -hmm. It's something that every single software provider is now looking at their budgets and going, we have to ramp up. We're going to have to, we're going to have to hire. We're going to have to make sure this transition is smooth. And these are items that weren't on their list for 2020. So it's a job creator for the it economy. It really is. Yes. It could be a good thing. It'd be bad for the advisory firms, but good for the economy yes. in general. Well, it's yet to be determined whether it's good or bad right. for the advisors, but we'll see. Yeah. After the transition happens, we'll know. Mm -hmm. We're going to switch things up now from our lineup of custodians, back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back custodians, with a broker-dealer. It's Charles Reeling, the CEO of Coastal Equities, and I asked him for his 30-second elevator pitch and some of the trends he's seeing in uh, requests uh, from advisors these days. Coastal Equities is an independent broker-dealer. We're located in Wilmington, Delaware. We have approximately 120 advisors that we serve, mm -hmm. 20 full-time staff members that support those advisors. The firm's been around for 31 years, and uh, my management team and I acquired the firm 10 years ago because mm -hmm. we wanted to build a better offering. Something Charles mentioned to me before we started the interview was advisors he talks to are tired of hearing constant no to all the requests. So I asked him, what are some of the things he's hearing that advisors are hearing no to, and how is Coastal Equities changing that? We think advisors are demanding a higher level of service. We think technology's been an equalizer, as I've said. And that, you know, our role is really to assist our advisors in ensuring that what they do on a daily basis is legal, it's ethical, it's compliant with the mm -hmm. applicable rules, and then it's get out of the way, mm -hmm. right? It's to support that business model that they choose, not mm -hmm. one that we impose upon them. What are some of the things that advisors are looking for in a broker-dealer? As firms grow, for scale purposes, they need to sort of bring their compliance and regulatory oversight down to the lowest common denominator. Mm -hmm. So it gets harder and harder as a firm gets bigger for it to deliver a customized level of support and service to an advisor. And let me give you an example. We had two advisors recently come to us and say that, that it had been a goal of theirs to act as advisors to a private fund, put their own hedge fund together. Mm -hmm. I think most firms would very readily just nix that. What we did was we went out and we sought a provider that can put together a turnkey program for an advisor to do with the documentation, the audit, you know, everything that was necessary to set up her own private fund. Mm -hmm. And we put that relationship together. We made that introduction to the advisor and it's gone very well. Mm -hmm. So without talking about the wisdom of whether or not we think an advisor should do that, that's not really our role, sure. right? Our role is to help them do whatever they want to do mm -hmm. that is legal, ethical, and compliant, mm -hmm. and then get out of the way. And how exactly is a small broker deal like Coastal staying ahead of all the competition? There's lots of firms out there vying for the same set of advisors, breakaways, RIAs, practices. Let's hear what Charles has to say about that. I think we've been the beneficiary of some of that. We've certainly seen a consolidation in the number of firms out there, yet we haven't seen a reduction in the number of advisors, right? So what that means is there are more firms consolidating, mm -hmm. obviously into bigger firms, mm 
And we think our sweet spot is in catering to those advisors that want that smaller firm experience. Mm -hmm. They want a more curated experience. Exactly. They they want better service, as you said. They want better service. And and as a smaller firm, we can deliver that. Right. Bespoke. So, Charles, where can uh, advisors who are listening find more information about your firm? So they can certainly email us at info at coastal one, and that's the word one, ONE.com. Uh, our website is www.coastal one, again, ONE.com. Uh, and I will give them my cell phone number. Right? Well, be careful with that. I am happy to do it. It is on my business card, uh, <laughs> and that is the level of service that we provide. So my cell phone number is 856-381-7150. And advisors are free to use that number and give me a call. You heard it here, folks. You're free to call. And now it's time to take a break from the podcast for my favorite part, which is a sponsor. And the sponsor of this episode is the Invest in Others Charitable Foundation. This is a nonprofit that recognizes financial advisors for their exceptional charitable work. The nominations window for their 14th annual Invest in Others Awards is now open. If you know of a financial advisor who is actively giving back to his community or a community overseas, nominate them at www.investinothers.org forward slash nominate by April 3rd. And if you're an advisor and you'd like to have a chance at some additional funding for your charity or nonprofit, feel free to self-nominate. Again, at the same URL. The finalists in the annual awards receive $10,000 each. So every finalist gets $10,000. I think there are five or six different categories. Each winner receives between forty dollars and $50,000 for their nonprofit. It's awesome. If your firm is interested in sponsoring the awards gala, be sure to check out the sponsorship opportunities on the IOI Invest in Others website. Personally, I have attended the gala the past two years, and it's an incredible event held in Boston with nearly 700 financial professionals all coming together to celebrate the generosity of their own advisors. It's a great way to highlight the good that exists in our industry. Please go to investinothers.org. And we're back to more custodians on this episode, and it's Craig Sintron, Head of Institutional Technology Consulting from TD Ameritrade. And I asked him to talk to me about the, his technology consulting group, what the makeup is of that, who's in it, and some of the trends he's seeing from RIAs. Yeah, that's a great question. So our institutional technology consulting is part of the broader institutional consulting group where we have practice management consultants, the technology consultants, and then also managed account consultants. So today there's roughly 10 technology consultants and we work with existing clients and we work with new clients at the TD Ameritrade platform to help them better understand TD Ameritrade technology and then also the vast uh, amount of third-party technology out there. So a lot of the trends we're seeing is, you know, there's still a number of advisors who want to build their own technology stack, but there's also a number of advisors that would like to just have a very simple to use platform that has everything in its place. I think some of the larger advisors are also looking to build their own platforms and have their own dashboard and pull in data from a variety of sources. So, you know, those are three separate instances, you know, and my team helps advisors navigate um, all those different options. So what are firms really looking for when they launch digital initiatives? Are they expecting clients to flock to them? Are they just using it for children of their existing clients or something else? 
Well, you know, I, I think on the RA side, we've talked with a number of firms who wanted to launch a digital initiative, and then they started down that process. We went through a consulting engagement with them, and then ultimately they decided to put the pause on it because maybe they weren't able to build it the way that they wanted to, or maybe they weren't seeing the traction out of it. Perhaps they didn't see the value in actually building out that solution for their clients. So what we're actually seeing them do after we ask a bunch of questions up front, it turns out that really all they're looking for most of the time is a slick account opening. They still want to manage the investments in-house. They still want to have control over the trading, but they're really looking for maybe an easier way for the clients to open up accounts. Or if they're going to be opening accounts on their own, they can do that directly from a lot of CRMs and portfolio management solutions out there. So, you know, what's interesting is when they ask us about digital advice, we start to ask them a bunch of questions and you peel back the onion. It turns out that they have a lot of the tools already and maybe they were just sidetracked by some of the advertising out there. As head of technology consulting for one of the big four custodians, Craig talks to a lot of RIAs. So I asked him to share with us some of the recommendations they're making to RIAs. Some of the recommendations we're making is really to understand who the audience is, um, who your clients are. You know, are you trying to go after these checking and savings clients that uh, a large bank is? You know, are you looking to create a digital advice solution for the next generation of your current clients' clients? Some firms have opened up a separate RAA just to have this digital advice. And maybe they custody those assets somewhere else. And that might become a difficult conversation if you want to move that money to your current custodian. And integration seems to be the name of the game today. So what is TD Ameritrade doing with integrations? And what are some of the benefits of integrating more deeply with a custodian? Yeah, so when we think about deeper integrations and we think about our Veo One platform that brings a lot of those disparate third-party technologies together, some of the providers that we work with have built widgets that can just be embedded directly in the Veo One dashboard so that you can see current performance. You can see the workflows and opportunities that you might have from your CRM. You can quickly add a note to your CRM and you can pull in and customize a lot of that data. So it's really just having more information available from those third-party systems right at your fingertips mm -hmm. and the ability to customize that. So not every provider has taken advantage of that. So that is something that we'll focus on for the rest of 2020. And rounding out our selection of custodians today is Kartik Srinivasan, Managing Director, Digital Advisor Solutions at Charles Schwab. I asked Kartik, what he's seen changing in tech? What he's seen changing from his first T3 until now? And a bit about the evolution of APIs. You know, we're here at the T3 conference where the technology firms has grown over the years. I remember 15 years ago was my first T3 and it was a very small community back then. And since then, we've seen a tremendous growth in the number of technology firms in terms of the capabilities they offer advisors and also the interconnectedness between them. And how those firms connect with each other is typically these days via APIs. Back in the day, there was a lot of data passing back and forth, manual files. Mm -hmm. uh, but thankfully, because of technology progress, we've got Good old to days, point. manual files, flat <laughs> files, FTP. Yeah, we still do that. And it's a very popular form of integration, especially mm -hmm. for rich data sets for powering portfolio reporting systems. But APIs is the name of the game now. Right. APIs are the fastest, most secure way of connecting two systems. Mm -hmm. And Schwab offers a whole slew of APIs 
for the third-party community. We've seen a lot of evolution of the APIs over the last couple of years. Uh, it's gone from more of a real-time data access to more transactional, taking actions, workflows. For instance, we have a digital account open API that just makes that whole client onboarding and account open process mm -hmm. much more easier that can be kicked off from CRM system or a portfolio management system, comes into Schwab, does all the real-time NIGO checks so that the not in good order rate has fallen from 30% or more, which is terrible in our industry, to in the low single digits That's using impressive. our digital process. Yep. Just because of the digital account opening. Exactly, yeah. What is one of the most important things about account opening that in Kartik's opinion that advisors need to be concerned about? You want that experience to be good and not just a good user experience, but also secure. Mm -hmm. uh, there is cybersecurity is top of mind for advisors mm -hmm. uh, and for Schwab. And so we want a, a solution that was not only a great experience for the advisor and the end client, but also provided the best security. With our account open process, it's all electronically authorized. There's uh, multi-factor authentication that goes into it. So the client can be comfortable knowing that their data is secure and the accounts have been opened uh, securely. Exactly how many firms, vendors, clients are using the Schwab APIs to integrate custodial data with their systems and applications? So we have over 85 firms that are connected with our integrations. Now that's across our single sign-on offer, our API integration, as well as our trading integration. We bucket those together uh, and that number is growing. We've grown the number of integrated products by over 30% in the last year. And we're seeing well, uh, a, a lot of growth, a lot of interest in our integration capabilities, certainly driven by the great number of APIs and digital actions and workflows mm -hmm. that we've come out with in the last year. What are some of the trends in APIs? What's the biggest thing you're seeing? Who's using the most APIs? What's something that you're going to be doing at Schwab to really help firms better integrate their data? You know, one trend, and this also is almost a pain point, is just the proliferation of client portals. And yes. that's a, it's certainly a challenge for advisors. It's a great thing that we've seen so many new technology companies out there, but mm -hmm. each of them offers a portal. Yes. And advisors have to pick and choose. Now, which portal do I direct my clients to? I've seen some advisor websites that say, hey, for your financial plans, click this portal. Mm -hmm. For your reports, click this portal. No. And by the way, for all your custodial statements, go to these portals. I didn't see that. That is not a very oh, good wow. end client experience. No, no, uh, no. So what we're doing to tackle some of that is on our 2020 roadmap is mm -hmm. a single sign-on integration from third-party client portals into Schwab's end client portal. Oh, wow. Uh, the goal there is to really prevent a client from having to remember their Schwab credentials every time they need to access Schwab statements, documents, and mm -hmm. electronically authorized digital mm -hmm. actions like op account opens. Right. So they can go jump right in from a third-party portal that their clients are using into the Schwab system and then securely get access to all the Schwab statements and documents. And batting cleanup. The last position on this podcast is Oleg, Oleg Tushkevich from invent.us. I asked him a bit about his firm and what it means to be cloud native. 
And then what's the right way to optimize for cloud native? So cloud, cloud native yes. is the new new technology that evolved in the last just few years mm -hmm. and really allows you to restructure and re-architect completely legacy-based applications, whether they're mainframe-based all the way to SQL Server three-tier-based applications that pretty much very prevalent. Right. So the right way to do it, to really to rethink about how you can optimize for the cloud native. Mm -hmm. And what we've done with Invent is we've created a set of tools that help firms take legacy and in a much quicker time frame, be able to convert those into the cloud native so they can start leveraging all this connectivity, scale, and technology in the cloud. And those generally would be applications we mostly work with large broker dealers. Mm -hmm. And most recently, we've completed implementations for six large broker dealers. So now in the cloud native environment with close to 10,000 advisors with about 260 billion AUA on our platform. So I get the whole idea of what cloud native is and how it's better than just lifting and shifting to the cloud in general. But I asked Oleg to explain some of the applications that they're helping broker dealers convert to cloud native. Some of the specifics, please. Their entire kind of backend infrastructure. So think about the data that the broker dealer would have and then connecting this data to various different applications that would use. So that would be commission systems, reporting systems, mm -hmm. trading, rebalancing, financial planning, CRM. All those systems, we connect about 35 different applications for one particular client and kind of lifted experience for their advisor desktop as well. So I thought it was pretty impressive that they were saving advisors time and RIA's time and the end user's time of having to find their own bugs and that the system can find the bugs first with invent.us's new way of building applications. But Oleg uh, wanted to assure me that wasn't all that the value proposition was. That's only part of the offering. Another part of it is that once you have this data in the cloud, advisors can own their data. So now it's... What does that mean? But they don't own their data now? Well, they do, but it's spread out. Like you use seven or six different apps. Mm -hmm. Your regulators come in to audit you. You have mm -hmm. all these different systems and you don't know what data is where and how mm -hmm. and you're trying to organize all the stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, imagine having your data in one place. Mm -hmm. Think of it not just like a backup, you know, of all those systems, but actually actionable, reportable, viewable, power BI-able, uh, analyzable. BI-able? Right. That's a, new, that's a new term. Is I it BI-able? just happened. Oh, check your data. If it's not BI-able, you got a problem. That's right. One thing in my notes from Oleg's presentation at the conference was when he said, everybody wants a unicorn. And I wanted to know what he meant by that. Well, it's a unicorn or snowflake. Today, there's so much competition going on with fees going to zero and a lot of consolidation going on in the space. Everyone wants to create a best mousetrap for their company, right? So to do that, they want to create a unique value proposition and a unique experience, which often translates into unique technology offering. Sure. So how do you do that is, you know, most firms are able to do it that have a lot of money. Yes. Hence, they a lot of consolidation because they handcraft this unicorn mm -hmm. experience themselves and spend millions and millions bespoke. of dollars. Exactly. So what we're trying to do is help firms to streamline that process so that we can allow firms to create unique experience mm -hmm. at scale. So think of it as personalization at scale, not just enough for kind of large firms, but leveling the playing field to smaller firms that RIAs and BDs combined mm -hmm. to be able to create that unicorn experience, paint the picture, if you will, mm. of their user experience themselves at a much more manageable cost. 
Hey, it's Craig again, and that was an awesome episode, if I do say so myself. We heard a lot of great stuff. So some of the takeaways I got out of this episode from Trisha Haskins, the Fidelity Integration Exchange. If you clear through Fidelity and you really need to look at the integration exchange for your systems and applications to better tightly integrate data from Fidelity Institutional with your existing products and infrastructure. From Matt Radgowski from Morningstar, their model marketplace is going somewhere. 100,000 advisors use the Morningstar workstation and the Morningstar office, their Goldbridge tool. All that's going to be integrated with their model marketplace. There's going to be a lot of good things for advisors to use in there. Rob Baldwin from Trade PMR, great advice for RIAs who are impacted by the Schwab TD merger. Do some due diligence on your software vendors. It will not hurt to do that. From Craig Sintron, TD Ameritrade, looking at recommendations for deeper integrations and other things that they should be doing to simplify their platforms and take advantage of their technology consulting group if you custody at TD Ameritrade. If you're an RIA looking for a broker-dealer, check out Coastal Equities. That's Charles Reeling, and he gave you his phone number. It's in the episode. You can call them directly if you're interested in that. And Kartik from Schwab, check out their APIs. Everyone's talking about how to integrate better with their custodians. So if you click through Schwab, check out their APIs. Similar to how Fidelity's got their integration exchange, Schwab's got their own integration tools. You definitely want to have tighter connectivity to your custodian. And finally, Oleg from Invent. If you're a large broker-dealer or you're building out your own platform and you're looking for a better way to deliver software services to your advisors, check out invent.us and how they're building cloud-native solutions. That's it. That's a wrap for this episode. I'm sure you enjoyed it as much as I did. Give us five stars on iTunes, like us, comment, share it everywhere you can, and look forward to talking to you next time.